Let me do the intro. I'm doing the intro. No, I'm doing the intro. You said I was doing the intro. You don't even know the intro. Fair enough. Go ahead. Welcome to the Barely Critical Movie Review Podcast, where two idiots go on a journey. Hello. Now I, now, I to, now I have to start the intro over. We're two idiots going on a journey to find the greatest movie of all time. I am your host, Trevor Sievert, and with me is my loyal companion, Luke Giesler. Luke, how are you doing today? Hello, everyone. I was not done talking. Oh, you're done talking now, and hello, this is Luke. I will be your guide, your Sherpa, <laughs> if you will. Isn't, isn't that like the blanket shirt? thing with like the blanket with the sleeves or sherpa i thought that was the donkey so the the pod the podcast we're off to a roaring start it is started it's we're a minute in and we have talked about absolutely nothing okay the podcast uh the podcast that we are doing the podcast that we are recording the podcast for cusco cusco's mm-hmm. podcast costco we're not sponsored by costco we are not costco. sponsored by costco but one day costco money it is up that's that's yes okay but the podcast so uh we just kind of wanted to start off with a little bit of a background of why we wanted to do this podcast money no don't tell yet i quit my job why did you do that why would you do that okay um so outside of getting luke's life back on track um he and i we have been best friends for approximately 20 ish years now and one of our favorite pastimes is to sit down and watch a movie and basically mystery science theater 3000 it if you don't get that reference you're too young to be listening to this podcast That's not true. We welcome all demographics. But basically... No. Never mind. (laughs) Don't cancel us on our first episode, please. Fair enough. (laughs) But yeah, so basically we commentate, make some jokes, and we figured why not turn that into a podcast. And we had the genius idea of two straight white best friends thinking that they're really funny and funny enough to make a successful podcast. And here we are. Luke, how are you feeling into our first two and a half minutes? Well, the screams I hear at night have gone down quite a bit, so I, I, I'm well rested. That's a positive to go. But yes, so basically how this podcast is going to work. We will choose a different movie each episode, kind of go through certain points of it, and then at the end we will each give a score of 1 to 100, and we will find the average, um, and hopefully... You enjoy this journey with us. So, Luke, what what are we reviewing today? Today is the all-powerful, ever-mystical Zack Snyder Justice League. Zack Snyder's Justice League. Not the bad one. The maybe good one. Is it good? Stay to the end to find out. Mm -hmm. That's how you hook them. That's how you keep them listening. I think we're supposed to... Yeah, yeah, hook them. No, we're having, we're having a meeting. It's, we're, it's a meeting, all right? So this is how we conduct ourselves. Why do we spend these, three hours going over this before we start recording? Shh, listen, the, these idiots are going to pour their money into our pockets. I still don't see how we're making money from this. Listen, is this it all comes with time. It's not Twitch. We are not thoughts. Why am I wearing a bikini and sitting in a hot tub? Because I asked you to. Fair enough. Okay. Justice League. So, 
Uh, this movie has a very interesting story behind it. So, the DCEU has been off to a, we'll call it, rocky start. That's a good way of putting it. And a rocky nice middle part. Nice way of putting it. And potentially a rocky end. Because mm. I don't know if they're making any more movies. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so it hasn't been super kind to the DCEU. Um, and p- part of that is with the original Justice League. Full transparency, I've never seen it. Luke, you have watched it. Uh, yes, I have watched it a few times. And it hurts even more every time. Uh, it's, that's no good. No good. But it, that was not Zack Snyder's fault. Zack Snyder, unfortunately, had personal matters to tend to, which uh, is very understandable. Um, And he had to pass the movie off to uh, cinema Satan himself, Josh Wheaton. And Josh Wheaton looked at this script that Zack Snyder had put his blood, sweat, and tears into and said, fuck it. Well, it wasn't just the script. He had, what, three, almost four hours of movie already. Zack Snyder already shot. And Mm -hmm. Josh Wheaton came in and said, you know what? Nah, not gonna do all the cool stuff. Let's yeah. let's rewrite. Yeah, bring all these casts back in when they're when they don't want to be there and are having a horrible time. Yeah, it's just no good. So Josh Whedon absolutely fucked Justice League. It's a good way of putting it. Absolutely fucked it. Um, but then people who are aware of this demanded the release of the Snyder cut. And what better way to launch yet another streaming service that I have to pay 10 to $20 a month for than with the Snyder Cut? And that's exactly what happened. Don't, don't, don't let them fool you. I pay for the streaming service. If anyone wants Luke's HBO Max login, no, 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 the no, username, no, 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 we're not doing this. Right? Luke Spicy no, no, Wiener. No. <laughs> no, don't, don't punch me. <laughs> All right, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they... With the launch of HBO Max, a lot of that was centered around the Snyder Cut, uh, which was a honestly good idea, in my opinion. Cause... It was a good way to get people by. I mean, he got $16 out of me, and now I'm ruined. <laughs> yes, and now you've quit your job, and you're putting all of your investments into this podcast. Yes. Uh, speaking of, can I borrow $20? Oh my god, I'm ruined. <laughs> We're going to the horsey track later tonight. I'm betting on the ponies. <laughs> But yeah, um, so the Zack Snyder Cut was released March 21st, 2021. So about three-ish months ago, a little bit less than three, let, let more, less than three months. I mean March, it's still March. Luke, it's June. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, so it was, was it released the same day HBO Max launched? Is that... Was that it? I believe it was. Okay. That was their whole pitch. All right. Yes. Yeah, so that was released then. Um, very notable cast includes the ever so dev- devilishly handsome Henry Cavill. That's a man right there. That is an absolute man. I, If I could be half the looker that Henry Cavill is, I would probably still not have a lot of women on me because I have a terrible personality. Probably not. I am not that funny. You don't shower a lot. I water bills <laughs> um speaking of dream boats we have ben affleck yes and i hear his insurance company is doing quite well <laughs> that one took me a second <laughs> it's, the, it's the duck right <laughs> yes i would have just used myself like why, why do you duck? think 
Ben Affleck secretly voices the duck. He's got to. There's no other Afflecks in this world. It's the duck and Ben, and that's it. And then one day they shall meet, duel to the death, and then the rapture shall come. I'm telling you, Ben, Ben is the duck. But what if what if it's like a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde situation? What if he's like a were duck? So a full moon comes out and then he sells you insurance. Or like, oh no, I was injured at work. Ben Affleck just shows up and it's like, what are you doing here, Ben Affleck? And he just morphs into a duck. <laughs> he hops into a telephone booth, much like Superman, and out comes a duck. <laughs> he just hands you a check for your disability. <laughs> and flies away into yeah. the night. I'm sold. I'm, I'm switching to Affleck. I'm switching to Affleck. Yeah, yeah, I'm sold. Thank you, Ben. Not only for your incredible accidents insurance, uh, not sponsored, not not sponsored by Affleck, by the way, but uh, for your incredible performance as Batman as well. Uh, we have Gal Gadot. I think it's pronounced Gadot. Gal Gadot. Sound it out. Use your words. I have a headache in the left side of my brain now. You just had a stroke. So she played the Woman of Wonder, mm-hmm. the Wonder Woman. Um, arguably the best movie that DC's done, the solo Wonder Woman movie. I would beg to differ. Aquaman is much better. There are more fish. <laughs> that is true. Um, just for full, full transparency, fish amount is big on our final scores. It really is. So keep that in mind. Um, but not aquatic based. Um, Wonder Woman, I would say, is objectively the best DCEU movie up to this point. Still haven't seen 84. Haven't heard phenomenal things. But, you know, maybe we'll be the judge of that one day. (laughs) Please, no. (laughs) Um, We have Ezra Miller as The Flash. The Flash. The fastest man on Earth. Until someone else shows up. And is the fastest person on earth. Hey, this is this is the DC cinematic universe, not the television series. This is yeah. He is not Grant Gustin. Um, another not... dreamboat, but yes, this is not the Flash where it's like I'm the fastest man alive, and then some entity from hell emerges into Central City, and he then is faster than the Flash, and he's everyone's just like Barry, you have to get faster. He's like I have to be faster. I dropped off that show so hard. I stopped watching it the first season. If you miss one episode, you're behind like 15 timelines. It's insane. That's true. They, The last I left off, they went to the planet filled with the gorillas, and Grodd was there, um, and Grodd was a gorilla, but they were all gorillas, except for the humans. They were not gorillas. And now I've given myself a headache in the right side of my brain. Oh boy. Just thinking about it. Speaking of headaches... This guy had a big one with Warner Brothers because we are talking about... Ray Fisher, the cyborg. The cyborg. Ray Fisher is not a cyborg. He just played one. He played cyborg. He played cyborg. As we cannot confirm nor deny if Ray Fisher has robotic enhancements or not. That's true. We can't. You know, maybe one day, as soon as we get the scoop, we'll let you guys know. Unless they're threatening to kill us. In which case, I'll give them Luke and then I'll tell you anyway. I'm okay with that. Okay. But yeah, Ray Fisher had a hard time with Warner Brothers. He was not a fan. They, they really wrote his character right in Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League. But yes. then uh, in the theatrical cut, as many of you may know, his character was kind of pushed to the side to almost do nothing. We didn't, yes. we didn't really get any of uh, Cyborg's Rick's Bash story or his 
His yeah. what story? His rich backstory. You, you, I heard rich bosh story. Did you have a stroke? Are you okay? Get out. We can put this on pause. I could take you to the hospital. No, no. I just ate a lot of peanut butter before I got here. <laughs> Why would you do that? It's a good source of protein. Okay. You need it. You're not very jacked. Okay. Well, moving on before my feelings <laughs> get hurt. <laughs> but yeah I, I, yeah, I should clarify. Ray Fisher did not have problems with Warner Brothers as much as he had problems with Josh Wheaton, who, again... Mostly wrote Cyborg in to shove his robotic wiener into the mother boxes. Basically just there to be there. Yes. Be a plot device. He is a, a plug-in to that uh, mother box. As dirty as that sounds, that's exactly what it was. All right, keep your fan fiction for the other podcast. <laughs> Stay tuned for Barely Critical at night. Oh, boy. <laughs> any, any more alcohol for that? Speaking of sexy things we got a big one right here jason momoa yeah this viking of a man that was plucked straight out of 15th century nordic times uh, and thrown into the movies i've talked to you about this before but this is my theory of jason momoa's Mm -hmm. origins i have not done extensive research on this i am not a journalist i am not a movie critic i am a simple man with a microphone and his best friend but i believe Hollywood has a methodology of going into Los Angeles fight clubs, finding the biggest, strongest, most intimidating guy there, pointing at him and go, you're going to be a star, kid. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I think they found Jason Momoa. Like, they, they pull him out of the rusty octagon. He has shards of glass in his face. He busts a bottle over his head and chomps on it like he's Jim Carrey's Grinch. And then they're like, he's perfect. He shall be the one to talk to the fish. Yeah, it really came out. I mean, it was on Game of Thrones, I'll give him that, and probably some other stuff that I'm unaware of, but yeah, he is the perfect perfect embodiment of what Aquaman should be, because we just know him as the um, questionable blonde dude with an orange jumpsuit. I was going to say, he's. we need to define Aquaman here, because there is mo- modern-day Aquaman, which yes, Jason Momoa is, but there's also early Aquaman, who's basically SpongeBob. From the Super Friends, who <laughs> yes. just... I can talk to fish and swim. Yeah, riding around on a little ski doo or something. <laughs> I want that Aquaman to be brought into the DCEU with how dark of a tone it is. And he's just there like, oh, good golly gee, my friends. Do you need me to summon a squid to wrap up Lex Luthor? I <laughs> would be amazing, actually. I would love to see that. All right, uh, Zack Snyder, if you're listening to us, you can email the check to LukeSpicyWiener at Roadrunner.com. It's actually AOL still. Oh, that's even worse. Get a Gmail. It works. (laughs) Uh, Well, and this is my third smooth transition, as smooth as a baby's butt. Speaking of things that don't work... I had to put this in here. I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. So not as much of a notable cast member. He is still, I would say, probably an A-list celebrity. Mm. But, eh, yeah, eh. But Jesse Eisenberg is also in this movie. To to give credit where credit is due, it is that the epilogue has no um, divisiveness in the actual story of... Jesse Eisenberg has no pivotal impact on this movie he pops in twice maybe once twice 
Where's the, where's the Cause it, there's the beginning when Superman dies and he's sitting in the super pool. Oh, he doesn't even say anything. No. Building Legos or whatever he's doing. And then there's him at the end when he escapes from prison, gets some hookers, goes on a yacht and meets Deathstroke. I hate the fact that Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. He, Jesse Eisenberg is too much of a beta to be Lex Luthor. I think they just wanted to go a new direction with Lex Luthor for more like modern no. times. No, you don't turn him into a beta. I'm just saying what I think they were going for and it just did not work. Well, it obviously didn't work. I, I have been a fan of DC most of my life. I preferred DC to Marvel until the big cinematic boom of 2008 when it came to superhero movies but throughout most of my childhood lex luthor was this absolute alpha male who could go toe-to-toe -to -toe with superman i don't see jesse eisenberg doing that jesse eisenberg is sitting there poking his fingers together just being like oh, can you help me kill superman please he's diddling a fucking jolly rancher into some man's mouth he is so bad as lex luthor He's, I hate it. I absolutely fucking hate it. All right, calm down. Take no. Your, take your pills. No. You can't make... No. All right, well, there goes the pillow. There goes the pillow. I threw a pillow. But yeah, um, with that cast and a couple more people who I was too lazy to list in the notes, um, Justice League got released. And as of writing this script, which was actually a couple months ago, so honestly... The number's probably higher at this point. But according to the Korea portal, Koreans a very trustworthy people. This doesn't sound trustworthy to me. Korea portal. The Korea portal. I don't want to take a portal <laughs> to Korea. That sounds like something Kim Jong-un has set up so he can pop into our country and, you know, do inconvenience us. Like he's the one loosening the one wheel on your shopping cart so then the other three work fine while the one's going apeshit. That's North Korea, people. You heard it here first. I told my psychiatrist i wasn't crazy <laughs> all right yeah but according to the korea korea portal uh this movie made approximately 650 million at the point of writing that which was again a couple of months ago so at this point it's probably higher compare that to the original justice league and that one made at the time of typing up this script 657.9 million so they were very close. And I think when I wrote this, it's probably back in April. We don't plan ahead that far. We just are very bad at scheduling a time to record. But like that was probably three months after the movie was released. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also hard to compare because... It's a lot of HBO Max subscriptions. Right, that's so. what I was about to say. Is It's very hard to make that comparison because you get people buying paying the price for the streaming service instead of going to the movie and buying a ticket yeah thanks covid um i'm i'm very upset with covid because like i wanted to like i'm i'm we're getting off track i'm going to take this thing off track but i wanted to make it my personal goal where we are recording there was a very very shitty movie theater but the tickets were so cheap like 350 with a student discount and i was a student at the time and i wanted every saturday to go watch a movie in that movie theater just because it was cheap i love movies 
Um, I would go to like earlier showings. That way there aren't many people in the theater itself. It would have been great. And then COVID hit. And then that, then you weren't allowed to movie theaters anymore. And now that movie theater doesn't exist. It's just gone. Um, we had a lot of good memories in that movie theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, some very low quality drugs there. Very low quality, not high quality. Um, you know, just remember kids, always get a sample of the drugs before you commit to a purchase, you know? Mm-hmm. If you want to learn more about drug usage, go to your local library. There's going to be someone selling them there. <laughs> Odds are it's Luke. I told you not to talk about my side business. <laughs> All right. Well, that's pretty much all about that we have about the actual movie. Um, originally, when we wrote out the idea for this podcast, we wanted to review the movie point by point, and we tried that. Luke, how did that go? Uh, we spent about a day recording, um, and we still didn't get through all of it. We did not. This is a very long movie. But also, it was so fucking boring. Yeah. It was so dull. We were just sitting there like... Trying to make jokes while going through the plot. And then we realized somehow after we had not even finished recording, we just gave up about 90 minutes in. And we were just like, why are they listening to the podcast if they haven't seen the movie? Why are we going through this point by point? Yeah, after we've already ruined a lot of stuff. Spoiler warning. That's... Shit, why didn't you tell me? I just, just put it in a title. Barely Critical Movie Review Podcast, spoiler warning, Justice League, Zack Snyder Cut, episode one, rolls off the tongue. Okay, but who just watches a movie review without seeing the movie? What are that's, you, that's what we assumed. What are you doing it, you after, after we did that, I so yeah. I swear to God, if anyone comments, spoilers. It, no one's commenting. No one's watching this shit. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, so instead of going through the movie point by point, um, we decided to make a segment that I call Yays and Nays. So the we'll each kind of provide three points of things that we liked or disliked. Um, and we'll just kind of have a brief discussion on those uh, before we transition into the final scoring process. So um, I so here let's let's do a nice little rock paper scissors to see who has to yay or nay first. Um, high quality audio content yep. here. Some ASMR. Yes. Here, we'll get our fists very close so they can hear the slapping of our fist against our hands. Okay. All right, ready? We'll go and shoot. Ready? One, one two, two, shoot. Ooh, that was one point for Luke. Oh, uh, no, I went early, so I cheated, so that doesn't count. Luke fans, that's one point. All right. One, one two, two, three, shoot. shoot. Okay, one point. Um, for all the Trevor mites out there, that's one point for me. All right. Okay, ready? ready? One, One, two, two three. three. Ow! Trevor. Okay. <laughs> I want to go first. Yeah, Trevor's going first, guys. Get that weak-ass shit out of here. Run my money. Okay. So I am going to start with a nay. Now, I will preface this by saying this is a problem I have with DC as an entirety, as a brand, more so than I have with this movie. But this movie does exemplify this problem very much. So I'm putting it as a nay. Superman is absolutely broken as a superhero. Are you just talking about Superman's character or the movie? No, I'm talking about Superman's character. So I think their strength... One of the 
what one of the things that draws you into a superhero movie is this underdog mentality. You mm-hmm. build up this big bad as this big intimidating force, and you think, how are our heroes ever going to overcome this? You should not be expecting like my the superhero is going to kick the candy out of the supervillain without breaking a sweat. Mm-hmm. You know, I can confidently say, and I feel like a lot of people can confidently say, if Tony Stark and Thanos goes go one on one, Tony's losing. Right. Like, and that's what makes it intriguing. And you see that in Infinity War. Thanos beats Tony when I would say Tony's at his best with that, like, nanotech suit and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that inevitably, inevitably makes the victory that much sweeter because you're like, my hero, the heroes who were severely outmatched won in the end. That's not a thing with Superman. That is 100% not a thing with Superman. The same problem I have with Superman, a lot of people have with Brie Larson's Captain Marvel. They are too powerful to make it compelling. Okay. So you see it in this movie. So it's at the end and Steppenwolf is like, I'm going to make the unity and then this earth will become apocalypse. And then Superman comes up. And starts beating this motherfucker like he owes money. Just beats the candy out of him. He beats the candy out of him and doesn't break a sweat. And this is a guy you've been building up this entire movie. And it just makes everything feel less suspenseful. Like Superman shows up and my first immediate reaction was, okay, Superman's here. They got this in the bag. That should not be a thing. That should not be a thing. I think um, Zack Snyder played it good with... You know, Seven Wolf wasn't the only force there. I think that, you know, everyone together probably could have taken him. But at the same time, they had to deal with the mother boxes creating the unity. So it's not just like, hey, we need to defeat Seven Wolf. We need to stop this from happening. And say Superman was there the entire time, it wouldn't have happened because Superman would have just, you know. Yeah, but all I'm saying. Is that I feel like if the five members of the Justice League outside of Superman were there and they took on Steppenwolf and all of the parademons by themselves, you know, it would have been more compelling versus Superman shows up, you know, just murks some parademons without flinching and then beats up Steppenwolf, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's pretty much what happened. In that's the exactly origin- what happened. That's pretty much what happened in the original Justice League where... You didn't have uh, Flash doing the whole thing where he has to run around. Mm-hmm. Um, instead, Superman just comes in, defeats Steppenwolf, and they separate the boxes, and destroy them, and it, it's over. They didn't have the whole thing where Flash has to turn back time. Yeah, and I will. A, it's a very good. Uh, I will give that to this movie. Scene. I will give that to this movie. Technically, in one continuity, they lost because again, the mother boxes explode and things like that. But then Flash reverses time. So technically, there's Superman loss. I will give that to this movie. Mm-hmm. But 9.9 times out of 10, Superman shows up, fucks shit up, and just, like, that's it. Superman's here. The day is saved. There is a series I follow very closely. It's called Death Battle. Much more successful on the internet than we will ever be. But if you have not watched it, they scientifically break down characters, their strengths, their abilities, and they calculated that Superman is just too damn powerful to ever be beaten, basically. Like, there is a point in the comics. I know this is not the comics. This is a movie. I'm just going on a fucking tangent here, people. There is a point where Superman and a, I think it's Shazam, maybe, they hold up Infinity. 
there's a book that weighs infinity and they both hold it up. Why, first off, why does Shazam need to be there? Because what's infinity divided by two, Luke? Oh, it's still infinity. It's in fucking infinity. Damn, I feel and he, Superman's holding it in his arms. Just like, I got this shit. Like, fucking, you're holding up eternity, my guy. Like, what the... Like, that's broken. And he's broken in this movie, too. So that is why I have to give Superman, as a superhero, a nay. I don't like how powerful he is. I really don't. So your is just with the character, not with the movie. No, like, yes, but the movie portrays this exact problem. Like I said, he shows Well, you shows put a Superman in any movie and he's going to have that problem. No, because you can make Superman where it's like he's not impossibly powerful. Or there's maybe a supervillain who's more powerful than Superman. And it's clearly established that he's more powerful. And then you get that thought of like, well, this guy's more powerful than Superman. How would Superman ever prevail from this? Like, that's why I like Batman. Batman is a mortal. He is just a dude in a leather cow chafing up his dick in the streets of Gotham fighting crime. And then all of a sudden, Darkseid shows up, and Batman has to beat Darkseid. And it's like, that's intriguing to me, because it's like, mm -hmm. Batman's just a dude. This is a god. How is Batman going to beat him? And then when Batman beats him, it makes it that much better. I see what you're getting at. So that's my problem with Superman. And again, it's portrayed in this movie, so I'll, again, Superman... And his powers and how broken he is gets a nay for me. Okay. There's there's a nay. That's what a horse would say. <sighs> Leaving. Go take your anger management pills. I need a cigarette. So you go, you go. My first yay is uh with Steppenwolf. Now I had a big problem Steppenwolf uh in the first theatrical cut of the Justice League because he looked like a bitch and just act like a bitch didn't realize not really like compelling we didn't get any story to him we didn't get anything now i'm not really talking about his character i'm just talking about pure looks because that's the first like thing that everyone brings up like picture... you want to see how sexy a super villain is oh is that okay. not what you're getting at? i said save the fan fiction for later so like think of a uh, star wars um a New Hope, when Darth Vader comes on screen, you know, he, he's surrounded by dead rebels and the stormtroopers walk in before him. And then and Spock rolls in and he's just like, peace and blessings. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Do it. But you get this, you get this towering, this man and deep booming voice. Everyone's like, kind of like really like nervous around. He comes around, he gets a huge music score. And then cut to Jackson or Zack Snyder's Justice League. First view of Steppenwolf, he drops in just this huge behemoth with this crazy reactive armor. All these Steppenwolves, all the Amazons are clearly like, oh shit, who's this guy? He doesn't just come in being like, oh, I'm Steppenwolf, I'm here to do this. He just comes in and says like, all right, you're going to die. I will say that introductory scene with Steppenwolf is very, very good. Mm -hmm. Like, you can see real desperation like with the Amazonians because it's like, they sink the mountain and they are trying their best and it's to no avail. And they establish Stefan Wolf very well as a big bad. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, oh my God. Uh, oh my God. Jesus Christ. What is back going on inside of you? Demons. Uh. But yeah. Um, and yeah, Stefan Wolf fucks up a bunch of women and horses and steals the mother box and sails off that i feel like that's a great way to introduce a villain yeah because i don't care how much you put into a character's backstory his motivations his or her motivations what matters is that first time we see them on screen yes 
I feel like the motivations and stuff should come with time. Mm-hmm. Like, we should learn, and th- this movie does that very well. Steppenwolf shows up, and he, you know, he gets what he wants, but we don't know why he wants it immediately. And then we learn later, like, he's been disgraced from Apocalypse. He's in the bad graces of Dark Side. But if he can pull this off, then he can, you know, return home and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So we get his motivations, but over time, like, he's not... You know, pulling a James Bond and tying Superman down to a board with a laser. He's like, now let me tell you my diabolical scheme. Yeah, Dr. Evil shit or anything. Exactly. <laughs> so that is, that is a yay for me. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. Steppenwolf was very, very good um, in this movie. Um, I will follow it up with my first yay. Okay. I will say the casting of this movie, outside of Jesse Eisenberg was absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. um i would say this is a near perfect cast for the six members of the justice league that they had the only reason i say near perfect is because they could easily cast other people in the future which is looking more likely because again i i would say the status of the dceu is kind of up in the air right now you know we already have robert battinson coming to replace batfleck but the original like the six people that they have playing the Members of the Justice League, absolutely phenomenal. I don't know if we can ever find someone who looks as close to Superman as Henry Cavill and play him so well. Like, you know, this tortured soul of, like, I am new to this world. They look to me as a god, but also I just want to be a man and, like, run my fingers through the crops at Kent Farms with my wife, Lois. Yeah, he's he's definitely a perfect pick for Superman, I would yes. say. And he plays the cocky mentality of, I'm Superman, I got this shit, and I'm not even going to break a sweat very well. But he that's not Henry Cavill's decision. That's the director's decision. Sorry, Snyder. But yeah, so Ben Affleck, and you and I have talked about this a lot, like mm-hmm. his portrayal on this version of Batman is very, very good. Yeah, so we always seen Batman as like he's just starting out, he's new to it. But Ben Affleck just plays a perfect Batman that's been through a grisly 20 years of fighting crime in Gotham and dealing with the Joker every once in a while and mm-hmm. just just over it just tired and and but he can't stop. Yeah. Like he it's like going to a job that you hate but you have to do it to protect the people you know to provide to the people for the people that you love. You know, and this Batman has been through a lot. Like we saw an Easter egg back in Batman versus Superman directly to Jason Todd for mm-hmm. people who have not seen Death in the or read Death in the Family the comic book the Batman comic book I recommend it also spoilers but Jason Todd was the second Robin and he got killed by the Joker um, and that's what they reference in Batman versus Superman um, very 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 good story arc I love that story arc um, I love the teaser hated Batman versus Superman love the teaser mm-hmm. but Ben Affleck yes he plays this Batman who has so much on his soul and so much on his conscience and yes I can't agree with Luke anymore on that we have Gal Gadot um, who again plays a very good Wonder Woman I would say mm-hmm. she holds up like this godly complex but in a good way like she plays this woman lost in time very very well and that's also again seen in Wonder Woman but she looks the part and she plays the part and she is a symbol for women everywhere without cramming the idea of feminism down our throat like she is not she's a woman 
and she is badass and they coexist at the same time without it being like without it feeling forced without it feeling forced she strikes that so well and i will give her all the credit moving on to ezra miller comedy relief in this movie so funny Mm -hmm. flash is so funny they did a good job of doing him as like somewhat of comedy relief without you know downplaying the character without making us laugh at who he is yes we are not laughing at the flash we are laughing with the flash that scene where he's saving a woman from a car crash and he just takes a split second picks a wiener out of the air and slides it into his pocket so funny you know, the interactions he has with a very dry and serious Ben Affleck, incredibly funny. Um, but he also, again, <coughs> Jesus Christ. the demons, they're coming out. Um, but yeah, he, he's so funny. I absolutely loved him. Uh, Ray Fisher just, again, plays this man who's, again, like been forced into this role as a superhero super, super well. Jason Momoa plays Aquaman so well, just mm-hmm. like disgrace from atlantis but also where where he belongs in this world yes exactly wants to help yeah i want to give ray fisher and jason momoa more credit but i know i've been rambling for a while but they both play play those characters so well and yes this is six six members of the cast like perfect like robert downey jr's iron man levels of perfect for the character that they are portraying so my first yay of this series i'm giving it to the casting outside of Jesse Eisenberg, to the Justice League. It's a good yay. That is a good yay. So, I will I will give my first nay um, to, I don't know if this is so much on the character or just how Zack Snyder commands the screen. Um, the scenes we get of Lois Lane early on in the film. The sad Lois hours. She's just so goddamn depressed. <laughs> like, we get it, he died. But it's like... <laughs> These scenes of her just like, hey, you know... Hey, come on. Your true love died. Get over it. Literally. Oh, my God. Like, I had a fish that died. Get over it. Um, but we just see her kind of moping around, uh, not really, like, going back to work as a journalist yet, and just going, keep going to visit Superman's memorial. And, yeah, it, it touches on the very human condition that, she, you know, she has. She can't really move on with her life now he's gone. Which, I don't know, kind of binds with her character of being such this hard-headed journalist that's super focused, super determined. So, I won't really get into that because I don't think there's much there to get into. Because she does eventually come back after talking to um, Martha Manhunter. <laughs> and But we just it's just so long and drawn out, these this, scenes with her. This brings up a point. How did Martian Manhunter knows so much about the tragedy and the complexities of the human heart. Like, I feel like I... And I'm not saying the scene is bad, but I feel like I would have enjoyed it better if Martian Manhunter was very bad at being a human. (laughs) Just like he knocks on the door, just... Hello, I am Clark Mother. Do you need sadness? Just starts eating the tea mug. (laughs) Lois hands him a cookie and he just, like, sniffs it deeply. He's like... Food, but yeah, uh, I don't know how they were so. He, Martian Manhunter was so good at giving actual therapeutic advice as a mother. Well, we don't know how long he's been on Earth. That's fair. That's fair. Observing, I would have. I, I feel like there's a lot of gold in Martian Manhunter learning how to be human and scaring everyone. <laughs> but yeah, I can agree with you. Back on your original point, 
I feel like the scenes of Lois being sad was, were necessary just to establish like what her arc kind of is in the movie, but they came so frequently. Like there would just be, you know, maybe two minute stretches of Lois stretches of Lois sitting in her apartment reading a book, looking out a window while it rains, pressing her hand against the glass, and it's like that was pointless. I mean, no like, wonder this movie is four hours long. We keep getting scenes like that. That, that yes. that's, that's the premise. There of are my so name. many like artistic things like which to be fair it's like Zack Snyder's yes free reign of doing what he wants and making the movie how yes. he wants so I respect that yes I can respect that but I feel like if we just had the scene in the beginning where she gets the coffee and brings it to the cop and then you know kind of goes to the memorial and then have the scene with Martian Manhunter I feel like that would have done as much justice to sad Lois as the other three or four scenes that they threw in there about it you could have had just the scene with uh, Lois and Martian Manhunter and gotten like three birds you could have introduced Martian Manhunter could have you know understood like Lois's grief and like her stretch to come back and like get over um, her misery you could have all done that all in one scene but yeah. I, I understand why he drew it out yeah yeah I can agree with that so Luke's first nay that is a first nay for of me. the series and unfortunately I have to end my final point on yet another nay. Yeah. And this one comes from more of a point of disappointment, I guess. Not disappointed in the movie, not disappointed in the plot, not disappointed in the writing. But I am in a way disappointed that nothing will ever come of this. Well, that, that's an interesting supposedly, point you make there. Supposedly. Like, I mean, the toxic fans were able to make this come. Yes, exactly. The fans uprising and mean tweets with hashtag release the Snyder Cut did bring this to light. But I feel like there's a difference between, you know, um, what am I looking for? Where, there's a difference between taking mo like taking film that has already been made and maybe shooting a couple more scenes and then releasing it to the public. I, I feel like there's a difference between that and doing a bottom-up cinematic universe complete, like, going off of this movie. Um, you know, and it's going to be hard because, I've again, there have been bridges that have been burned here. Ray Fisher has expressed not wanting to come back to do any more Warner Brother products. Mm -hmm. I feel like Ben Affleck also, and I could be wrong here, I feel like he also cited some frustrations in, these, in this project, too, um, and being in the position of Batman. And it's unfortunate because I have never really liked the DC universe. Again, Wonder Woman was great. Aquaman was good. Shazam was good. I'm not a huge fan of the other movies. I fucking hate Suicide Squad. I really hate Batman versus Superman. But this did feel like a fresh starting point. But I feel like this is all that's ever going to come of it. Mm -hmm. And the day that the Snyderverse expands and, you know, turns into something actually... Hopefully not all the movies are four hours because this movie is a fucking time investment. But the day that that comes out, I will gladly piece of, eat a piece of humble pie. Fair enough. But I don't see Warner Brothers plugging into this product project. I feel like they are on the course to reboot the DC universe and kind of leave all these characters and stuff in the past and start from square one again. Um, I think the DC Universe, the original DC Universe was rushed. I feel like the storytelling was incoherent, but Snyder Cut was very good. It was a very good storytelling. It was very good at storytelling. But again, that leaves this point of disappointment in me because it's just like, 
I can confidently say that I do not believe anything will ever follow this. I don't believe Zack Snyder will direct another DC movie. He might, but not in this continuity. So I had to give that an A because it it's going out on a high in a way. That's a that's an interesting point. Yeah. So that is my final nay for this section, which leads me to Luke. So I'm going to give it also a final nay. Oh, I love the movie. Um, I, was, I was expecting a solid yay to nay ratio, like two yays and one nay for well, you at least. Be ready to have your expectations subverted. Oh. Uh, and mine is more to do with the first scene we get, where it's uh, Bruce Wayne uh, climbing these mountains to find Arthur Curry. And we get to this remote Icelandic village that there's just a shit ton of people at. And they're all like, oh, who's this mysterious stranger? And he's basically telling them, hey, I'm looking for this man who comes on the king tide to bring you fish. And they're like, how did you get here? The, the harbor's been frozen over. And he's like, climb the mountains. And it's like, okay. He got there. Our, our helicopter's not a thing. Our plane's not a thing. <laughs> That's fair. This is Bruce fucking Wayne. Yeah. He. <laughs> so first gripe there. And then second gripe, this mysterious stranger brings them fish when the harbor's frozen over. You can't live on fish. These people, all these people, look like they've been dead for five weeks, probably because they've only been eating fish. <laughs> they they have mercury poisoning. They have the scurvy. You need fruits and vegetables. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, here's my problem with like they only bring fish. So again, in continuity of DC, Aquaman speaks to fish and he rules over the fish. So does he just like on the side lure these fish like, hey guys, you want to go on a cool Aquaman adventure? And they go, yeah. He lures them into a net and brings them to these poor Russian people. Yeah, he's just like, get into the net. <laughs> <laughs> best fisher ever, I guess. On top of that, this Aquaman hops into the water and he just goes like, fuck you, Batman. I'm not joining your team. He hops in the water, swims off, and Batman turns around and there's this corpse Standing, breathing, and having blonde hair. Absolute skeleton of a woman. Yeah, that girl's been dead for a while. And she starts singing. Yeah, like... And then everyone starts singing. I mean, I guess I would uh, imagine this guy who brings me fish whenever on the brink of death as a god and just waltzes back into the water. Yeah, I'd probably sing a song for him. But, to like, be fair. I don't... Well, first off, Aquaman isn't there. And this is... I get it. This is Zack Snyder trying to be artistic and he's trying to be like, this is representative of how... The government doesn't feed the homeless enough. And now she's singing the praises of the, the... I don't even fucking know. But I'm just imagining this group of poor Russian people gathering in the local church and just being like, Okay, time for the fishman sing practice. Everyone, I want you on best, best singing today. Best singing. He well, bring us fish. It didn't look like they had much else to do. They're a fishing village who can't get fish. Who, yeah, that's another point. I didn't even think of that. Who the fuck builds a fishing village in a frozen wasteland? Literally. Like, that that just seems like a stupid idea to me. It's like, let me go start, like, an ice mining business in fucking Tampa, Florida. <laughs> it's just asking to put money into shit that's not going to come. Oh, my gosh. You got us on a whole fucking tangent yeah, with this so opening scene. That is my final name with the opening scene. I... Um, not a bad scene. Very well shot. Very, very cool scene. Um, but just 
raises so many questions of why and how and what the fuck. <laughs> There's one thing in this opening scene, and it's in the opening credits, because Batman going across these mountains is most of the open credits. Um, but there's one point where it says, like, edited by, I forget the guy's name, but it's, like, John Ace, like, no, it's, like, John Doe, and then comma, Ace, A-C-E. I'm not in Hollywood. I am not a movie writer. I am not a movie critic. But I like to imagine this man edited this movie. He was editing the opening credits and gave himself a nickname just so everyone in the office can start calling him Ace. I certainly would. I, I would too. I don't know if one person said it. Said edited it by Trevor Longschlong Sievers. I don't think that would make the final cut. <laughs> I'm editing it, so who knows? Fair enough. But yeah, I like to imagine he goes into the office and then they, he like trips and like spills some water on his shirt and then they call him like wet boy instead of ace and now this poor editor is just like <laughs> it's like here comes wet boy it's like call me ace guys come on he risked his career for a nickname <laughs> it did not pan out it did not uh but those are the yays and the nays so those are kind of some of our thoughts on the movie let's see what other people thought of the movie so we will get into the scores of the critics um we're just going to go through some of the major like critic sites see like what certain people kind of thought on it um this is and then we're going to compare it to the original justice league we won't usually compare like movies to other movies but we figured it's interesting in the point of like snyder cut versus original justice mm -hmm. league so imbd giving this an 8.2 out of 10 i think that's fair you think it's fair? Especially from IMDb. Yeah. Okay. On the other side of the spectrum, a failing score from Metacritic, at least going by the American grading system. Yeah, no one really says this is a Metacritic. Yeah. They're liars. Yeah. Um, 52%. Metacritic, come at me. <laughs> We're never going to get sponsored by Metacritic now. I said come at me, so I don't want them. You've you're burning bridges already. It's only episode one. <laughs> Gotta let them know how um, to stand for and then we go to what I would probably say is the go-to for movie reviews. Rotten this Tomatoes. Is my Rotten Tomatoes. That's usually what I go to. Mm -hmm. So on the tomato meter, where they kind of average out all critic scores, from what I understand how that works, yes. they give it a 71%. But then you go to the scores from the fans, and the fans fucking love this movie like there's no tomorrow. 95% from the fans. I see that a lot with um, superhero movies, sci-fi stuff. Like, look at uh, the new season of Doctor Who. It got, like, a pretty pretty respectable review from the critics, and yet is at 4% from the fans. Yes. The fans and the critics are typically out of tune with a lot of things. Typically things. very out of tune. Yeah. Which is understandable. I mean, movie critics are just blindly watching these movies, you know, going off their own beliefs. It's, a lot of it's political <laughs> driven and stuff. Yes. It's the scene from The Hangover where Zach Galifianakis is playing poker and these equations are just uh, flying past his head. Mm -hmm. um, classy podcast here, by the way. Those are movie critics. And then there's fans who just kind of turn their brains off. And they're just like, big man in cape, punch stony man. Yay! Exactly. Yeah. I'm not calling all fans idiots. Most fans. Not all fans. Not our fans. You're all great. Wow. Um, but yeah, we take these scores. We compare them to the original Justice League. Um, original Justice League typically performing worse. So uh, 6.2 out of 10 on IMBD, about two points lower. 45% uh, on Metacritic, only 7% lower. 
What Metacritic just does not is not here to have a good time. No, they're here just to you know give a bland reveal and they, be like, hey, <laughs> here's our percentage. They woke up and chose violence with a keyboard. They can't they can't actually square up. Yeah. Um, and then Rotten Tomatoes, thirty one percent down, giving the ju- the original Justice League forty percent. So. Again, I haven't seen the original Justice League. For these scores across the board, Luke, would you say that's fair? Um, it's pretty high for Rotten Tomatoes. Um, but then again, like I said, it goes off the critics' consensus, and critics are usually out of tune with what the fans think. Yeah, I didn't get the fan score from uh, the original Justice League. IMBD, I think that's a fair score for IMBD, just mm-hmm. because of the uh, cast you have. Yeah, fair. But you aren't here to see all of those people's scores. You are here to hear about our scores and what we think. Because we are the light in this dark tunnel known as modern day, but also sometimes past cinema. I'm sure we'll review some old movies at some point. Um, but yes, you are here for your two beacons, Luke and Trevor, mm-hmm. and what we think of the movie. So, I can go ahead and give my score first. Please. So, Justice League Snyder Cut. Um, I cannot compare it to the original Justice League. I refuse to watch it because I just I don't want to be that disappointed. With that being said, I will say that the Snyder Cut even exceeded my expectations. I went into it not reading much about it, not knowing too much about it. I obviously knew like the lore and stuff behind the Snyder Cut. But I had already touched on it. I think the characters... Most of the characters outside of Jesse Eisenberg did very, very well in their uh, in this movie. Um, they played their roles very well. The plot, while very long, is pretty easy to follow, I would say. Like, it's not too confusing. Um, they establish a point A and a point B, and how, and they get there very, very well. Um, that being said, I do not believe it's the perfect movie, you know. Again, some characters are not great. There are some plot holes, uh, and the movie is incredibly long. The first time I watched this movie, I watched it with Luke, and he had watched it with me for the second time that day. You put eight hours, a third of your human day, towards the Snyder Cut. And that was a day well spent. (laughs) I will do it again. Oh my gosh. But yeah, um... I have definitely seen better movies. I have definitely seen better superhero movies. I would put this, you know, if bad's on one side, good's on the other side, and average is in the dead center, I would put it between average and a good movie. Um, So with that being said, I am going to rate the Justice League Snyder Cut a 73 out of 100. It's a good score. So it's a passable C. Um, Luke, give your score. 92.5. What? 92.5. What? You went on a whole You're tangent good. about your score. Uh, well, I figured you would do it as well. That's what the, that's what the fucking structure is about. We got it. Like, you no, want to no, indulge no. on it? So, this movie give was... Me fucking headaches, man. Oh my gosh. Calm down. No. Drink some Chick-fil-A. <sighs> Um, no, but this movie was never going to happen. The toxic fans made it happen. This was a movie by the fans for the fans. And it is for that reason I rate it so high. Now, I don't give it 100% because, well, there gives it no reason to go. And there were definitely places this room could this movie could have gone. 
what I really liked was that it was a lot of fan service. It gave us a look at these characters that we like so much. And like, like one scene, the, the black suit Superman. I mean, yeah, it followed the continuity of the comic books, but that, that just felt to me like complete fan service. Um, but all in all, it was a great movie for what it was. And then that was a movie for the toxic fans, which I am one of. So there's a lot I could say that the movie did great, a lot that I hated, a lot that I loved. But all in all, great movie. 92.5. You're starting off with an A. A minus. Hey, but still, like, you're starting off... I don't know. You're also starting off with a fucking decimal. Like, you couldn't yeah. have rounded down. You couldn't have rounded up. No, I, I rounded down because it was so goddamn long. Okay, but why do we have to have the fucking decimal? Uh, to make it harder for you. Oh, my gosh. You... I'm gonna fucking puke. All right, well, average score between Luke and I for the Snyder Cut... 82.75 because someone had to use decimals. So that is a B minus of a movie. And I would call that fair. I would definitely say that's fair. I'd say that's fair. That is critical, but only barely critical. Wow. Look at you with the catchphrases. Exactly. Ugh. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for episode one. Um, I don't. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So catch us here next week. Uh, who knows what we'll be watching? We won't tell you. Will uh, it be the best movie in the world? It could be. We don't know. We don't know, but That's it true. could be. It could be. All right. Uh, Luke, parting thoughts. Um, God, I want alcohol. <laughs> God, I really, I really just want alcohol. I think I we... problem. You need to go... To, do I need to take you to do this off mic here? All right, we're back uh, for total reasonable reasons. I didn't accidentally kick. I didn't accidentally kick the mic off or anything. So... Fucking not. I got. If I'm sipping on some Chick Fil A Coke. If you're ever thirsty, Chick Fil A. No, we're not sponsored. They're giving us money. I I don't care. We are hot commodities. God we is are... watching. I'm drinking his Coke. We are two of the youngest, hottest podcasters out there. We can't be giving out free shout-outs like that. The Lord is watching. Oh, my gosh. All right, yeah, but uh, thank you so much for watching, lis listening. This is an audio podcast. Thank you for listening to the first episode of the Barely Critical Movie Review Podcast. Tell your friends. Share this around. Uh, spreading the word would definitely help. Uh, you can find us on social media. Uh, I don't know what they are yet because I haven't made them, but I'm sure we're going to be on social media at some point. Uh, find us on any platform where you find your podcasts. Give us five stars, thumbs up, all that good stuff. So yeah, honestly, if you've listened this long, I mean, what are you doing with your life? But I, oh, I no. will like you. Yeah, you're you got spunk, kid. I can admire you. Yeah. All I'm right. Back next time for some more. Whatever this is. Yeah, more of Luke and Trevor. Trevor and Luke. The Luke and Trevor show the fairly critical movie review podcast. Okay, yeah, we're gonna do that.